Hi, and welcome back to the Kids Yoga Podcast. I'm Jessica, and this week I am re-releasing a conversation I had with James Woods. This episode was really just hugely eye-opening and inspiring for me, and I know for many people. I had found James after he wrote a really nice um, review on Apple Podcasts, and so then I wrote to him and was like, wait a second, you teach yoga to kids too. I'd love to hear your story. So that's how we connected. And his perspective on teaching black boys specifically is just incredibly important. And just the the idea of representation in yoga and in kids yoga is just profound. Kids need to see themselves in the images and in the work that we put out there. And as we all know, yoga is for everyone. And right now, we need to do a lot better at making that more evident on social media feeds and in the conversations we're having and in the people that are leading the conversations. So this was just such a really powerful way to look at things. And I loved hearing James's story too about how he arrived at yoga. It was really interesting and really funny to hear um, just his perception of it and then how that really changed over time. So if you've heard this conversation before, I definitely recommend giving it another listen. And if you haven't heard this one yet, I'm so excited for you to hear this. All right. Enjoy everyone. Hi, and welcome to the Kids Yoga Podcast, the place for all things kids yoga. My name is Jessica Mujis, and after teaching kids yoga for over a decade and being immersed in the industry, I created this podcast as a warm and supportive place for parents, teachers, caregivers, and kids yoga professionals to gather. Episodes include conversations with kids yoga teachers, business owners, and authors, child development experts, informational episodes on specific kids yoga topics, yoga adventures for children, and even the voices of children themselves. It is my hope that you can come here each week and gain inspiration and form connection with your fellow kids yoga community. Welcome to the Kids Yoga Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Kids Yoga Podcast. My name is Jessica, and this week I'm joined by James Woods. James has a passion for sharing the tools he learned on his personal journey to wellness. He has a degree in marriage and family therapy, registered yoga teacher, speaker, mentor, author, organizer, teacher, and active community member. He was raised in Corona and found roots in Riverside through community relationships. As president of Feel Free to Feel Free, a health and wellness organization that provides wellness programs and services, James directs programming, speaks, trains, and holds workshops on self-care, yoga, meditation, mindfulness, and wellness. Timmy Tut is the first book from James that fulfills his passion of sharing wellness tools through a literary experience 
to better serve the youth. James is also the founder of Million Man Meditation, a wellness resource event featuring all black men. James is a willing servant and believer in building a better future. James, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jessica. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad we could connect. And I want to really start at the beginning of your yoga journey. So first of all, how did you find yoga? And then why did you decide to then share it with other people? Good question. I found yoga in in a dark space, like a lot of us do. Um, I knew about it before I got into a little bit of of burnout. So let me go back. My degree is in psychology from my undergrad. So I came back home. I I went to school in Xavier University of Louisiana in New Orleans. Born and raised in California, went out there, got a degree, came back and started working in group homes, working with kids in foster care, probation, just working with youth. And I decided that I wanted to work with them in a more in-depth, intimate way through the psychology field. And I got my master's in marriage and family therapy and became a clinical therapist, got the degree, and I started doing the job of being a therapist. Dream job. I get to sit and talk to people all day and listen to them and serve in a way that I really felt I was doing some good about. Um, On the way... I, I had a supervisor who would always tell me, like, like, yo, you should do yoga, you should do yoga. Now, she was like one of those people who always said something very poignant in the staff meetings. She would just drop a jewel, boom, and uh, it would just blow you away. So I listened to her after a while, and she always would bring it back to uh, me being an athlete. I worked out on a regular basis. I played football in high school, and I was like, yoga, okay, this is something I could do. Um, it looks easy. You know, get a little stretch on, something like that. And I finally went to a yoga class. I get in the yoga class and I'm like, what's going on? Why is it like dark and why does it stink? It smells like a football locker room in here. These mats are weird. And I was probably the youngest person by about 20 years and the only male in the class. Find my mat, roll it out. You know, I'm thinking, Mr. Macho, it's going to be easy. It's old ladies in here. I'm just going to kick butt. <laughs> Get on the mat. And we start off slow with the breeze and the meditation, all the weird stuff. You know what I'm thinking? And then uh, we start getting into these downward dogs, into these lunges and these poses. And I start sweating and breathing hard. <laughs> my left to my right, and I see these older ladies still just like breathing and making it look easy. And I'm shaking and everything. And so I make it through the class. And at the end of the class, and Shavasana now, what I know it's called, I was able to just lay there. And the stress the depression and anxiety that I felt from serving and working with other people as a therapist, it just melted away for that moment where I was able to lay down. And at that moment, I was like, I have to continue doing this. I have to continue doing this. And the more I did it, the more I decided that it had to be a part of how I served. It had to be a part of my therapy practice and working with the kids and working with the families that I work with. So that's how I really got introduced to yoga. Um, and then I, I quit that job and I moved to Long Beach. Uh, if I know you're on the East Coast, but Long Beach is where Snoop Dogg is from. I went to a yoga studio in Long Beach. Shout out to Yoga Lucian and Dharma Shakti. She's been doing yoga on the beach, on the bluff for years. Donation-based yoga. I didn't have any money. And if I did, I wasn't going to spend it at yoga. 
donation-based yoga, went in, was going to the classes regularly. And then luckily, or luckily or whatever you want to call it, they happened to have a raffle um, or an auction for like the lowest bid. I mean, the highest bid wins for yoga teacher training. And still the highest bid was like, you know, a third of the actual price for the yoga teacher class. I had just got a, a big check from something I don't remember. And I put a bid in just randomly. And I probably got it by about 20 bucks or something like that. And I won. And the studio happened to be in walking distance of my house. They had just moved there a couple of months. Previously, they were a little bit further down. Studio was there. Everything was set up. I remember earlier walking past the studio, seeing one of the teachers sweeping out the studio, cleaning up. It just everything lined up. Got into the yoga teacher training, fell in love with it, lost a lot of ego in the process. Or uh, and like many of us, decided to quit my job and just be a full time yoga instructor and teach yoga across the world um, in places with beaches and stuff. And yeah, I've been that doing the yoga stuff since then. I was probably about 2000, I don't know, one of those 2000s. Seven, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, just been sticking with yoga ever since. Wow. So it's so amazing to me that that first class, I'm so glad you had that experience because I think you could have very quickly been turned off. Like, like I'm, right. I'm the only guy here. Right. They're 20 years older than me. This breathing stuff is weird. You right. know, when you first, when you don't know about it, it seemed so it's, it's so, I'm so glad for you that you had that moment in Shavasana so early where you're, you've, you feel it. There, there's something there. Yeah, thank you. And I've had a lot of first classes. I've tried a lot of different stuff, but yoga is something that has stuck with me. So, yeah. yeah. Well, tell me about um, on your Instagram bio. I see it says you specialize in Black boy wellness, mm-hmm. and that just made me smile like ear to ear. I'm like, this is incredible because I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen that, and I should be seeing it, you know. And I'm sure it's out there. Um, and it's so important, right, to, to, for all children to be exposed to this practice. And it tends to be that when you look up kids' yoga, it tends to be like really hard poses and the kids are usually white. And so, I, it's, you know, I think we have so much work to get there, to get that um, the image to where it's real, where it's like it's for everybody. So tell me about that. When did you decide to, to work with children and specifically with black boys? Well, and shout out to you first for having so many people of color on your show. Like every episode, it seems like a lot of them, women of color, men of color who are doing the work. So shout out to you for making sure that voice is heard. Really appreciate it. I, I tried to run away from kids for a long time. I was like, I love kids too much. I don't want to get attached to them. Leave me alone. Let me work with adults. I come in. I do what I do when I leave. I can't do that with kids. So I tried to run away from kids for a long time. And prior to me being a Black male therapist, a Black male behaviorist, a Black male working in a space of youth who are in the system in any kind of way, they always wanted me to work with Black boys. And a lot of times they wanted me to come in as a disciplinarian or as the the mentor that's just going to get them straight and fix them Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's an interesting dichotomy of being a black man where they look at you when you're older, if you navigated the system as the solution, as the a silver bullet. But when you're younger, you're the problem. So they always place me in that role of working with black boys. 
And luckily, I have had some experience of being a black boy, and I was able to connect with a lot of the students and a lot of the boys. And uh, I've done mentor programs, just workshops, and it just always was around working with black boys and really boys of color in general, but specifically black boys. I've been able to have that space where I can just share my authentic experience. And then bringing the yoga into it, it was something where I was able to connect some dots and really create a sense of relevancy and rapport with the black boys. Because a lot of times you get yoga teachers coming in, uh, in any cross-cultural, cross-gender, whatever. And sometimes they forget that the reason that the kids might buy into the yoga is not the same reason that you bought into the yoga. And so I really try to help the kids understand that these are some different ways, especially black boys, that you can jump into yoga and that you can get something out of yoga because everybody wants something from it. So I don't care if it's, hey, this is going to make you play video games better. This is going to help you play basketball better. This is going to help you navigate racism. This is going to help you deal with uh, the racism you experience as an academic, as a smart kid. And you're the, whatever the system is putting on the kids, I try to make it as relevant as possible. And I have the most experience as a black boy. And I found a lot of joy within yoga for myself. Um, as I said earlier, I let a lot of ego release going through my yoga teacher practice. I came in as an angry black man. Walls was up, barriers was up. How y'all gonna tell me something about my black body and my black mind? And then I had to let it go and really just put myself in the practice of yoga and let my mind and my body uh, come back to authentic self. That is not always the easiest thing to explain to a fifth grader that is in trouble for slapping the side of back of the head. But I can tell him, hey, you breathe, you relax your shoulders, it'll help you not get in trouble again. It'll help you uh, do whatever you're trying to accomplish in school, at home, in your community. So Black Boy Joy is all about that, making these yoga practices relevant to people who I have shared a human experience with. Not the same. We're not all the same. We're not monolithic. But us having the experience of being a Black boy within you know, the context of whatever that we're in is something that I like to bring into the yoga practice to make sure they get the most out of it. Mm. I have two questions from that. So, well, one is um, you had mentioned like you were put in these situations. They were like, can you fix this? Like fix this child. How has yoga shifted that perspective for you? Because yoga is about being present with that child, with the person. It's not about fixing anything. Have you felt that yoga, the fact that you're introducing them to this practice that is about just being there, has that been helpful to you or like shifted your experiences? It has. Great question. A lot of the things that people want fixed about the boys have been or have been tried to been fixed about me. So my hand has been slapped. I've been conditioned. I've been socialized in a way that has been acceptable. And now they want the same for these other black boys who are just mm -hmm. expressing themselves. Mm -hmm. So my meditation practice, my yoga practice has helped me to see it in that light of the more I get in touch with myself, the more I can see how I really genuinely connect with these kids, these boys who are just trying to do the same thing. They're trying to do the same thing, but it gets them in trouble. Um, so their meditation, their break from conditioning, their uh, looking for acceptance within themselves 
is running down the hall, is cursing the teacher out, mm -hmm. or is just feeling anxious because they're the only one in an advanced placement class, whatever it is, the more I get grips on who I authentically am on that level through my yoga and mindfulness meditation practice, the more I can approach them on their authentic level and not try to just put them in a box of, you need to be this type of kid. And that's why I really like the word joy because it's not happy. It's not just about pleasure. It's not about just finding space within all this. It's about you having that sense of joy within yourself. And only thing I can do is provide you with the tools to do it and create a bridge for you to be able to pick those tools up or do whatever you want with those tools. So yes, 100%, thank you for asking that once again. It's been, it helped me to release my anger. It helped me to release my barriers so I can really be present with them and connect with them on a level of, hey, we all in this together. Let's find some joy in it. Yeah, yes. Oh, and the, what you said about like shedding the ego mm -hmm. with, with the yoga, how that was that process, was that a slow process for you? I know all of us are transformed by our yoga practice. So I, I can look back and say and see like a slow progression of how it changed me, how I saw myself. What was that process like for you where you, you then reach this point where you're like, I'm quitting my job. I'm going to, this is going to become my career. This is going to become my life. Right. Um, well, after I continue looking and staring at myself, let me talk to you about my ego. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's, it's all with the still. Um, mm -hmm. It was a transition of, it was, that was one of the biggest things I've done in my life. One of the biggest transitions. Like I said, I had my dream job, my whole, but prior to having that job, I didn't really know where I fit in to the world of you go to school and you get a job. Uh, come from a middle-class background, both of my parents, nice suburban home, I grew up with my sisters and everything, did all the right things. I went to college, I got a job. Um, and one of the biggest things, actually, I graduated from college in 2008 with the economic downturn of mortgage crisis. So I get out and I don't have that that job that they told me I was supposed to have. That life that they told me I was supposed to have was taken away from me. So it was very detrimental to how I saw myself. And I carried that anger and learning just about other things, fuel that anger even, even more. And so being able to have a yoga practice that allowed me to mentally, physically, and spiritually explore that anger and create a safe space for myself within my body, within my practice, helped me to go deeper than what I thought I was to really understand who I am. And so my, like I said, my ego comes with me all the time. I'm still obsessing about what my mom probably would think, um, what my dad probably think, what society thinks about me being a yoga teacher or me being this and me being that. But in it accompanying me, I'm still going forward. I'm still moving forward. I'm still doing what I feel like is authentically me, um, despite the imposter syndrome, quote unquote, despite mm -hmm. not feeling like I'm enough, despite the self-doubts and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and especially with black boys, it's a, you know, everybody has it. Everybody is put in the box. Everybody is uh, negatively impacted by just life, but, um, Black boys are impacted in a certain way um, and even in a public light, as we all know. So for them to be able to have a tool to deal with that, that they don't have to pay for, 
They don't have to reach out to anybody else for after they get the tools and things that's important. So yeah, the transformational process of seeing that I was enough to quit my job that people told me I was just grateful to have, that I was enough to jump out there and just start a vision of my own life for myself. Oh man, I was terrified. Um, I was terrified. Yeah. I was terrified. It is terrifying taking that leap. You know, when you were saying that, you're like, my ego is still with me. Yeah, of course. You know, we all have an ego, but it sounds like you're when you're conscious of it, it's like my ego is with me rather than your ego driving your choices. That's what yoga, one of the things, many things yoga does is you're able to separate out like, okay, what's actually me and what is our, all these other things. So, yeah, but I, I understand that, that leap into the unknown. Well, now that you're here and you're doing all this work, um, I want to ask you about your work with educators, because I think that's so important. You, you've been posting about black male educators, some facts about black male educators. Um, and I would just love to hear about that work because when you're impacting an educator, you're then impacting so many children that are then going to be, you know, learning from them. So what does that work look like? That work looks like acknowledging my own, um, uh, I use the word lightly, but traumas of not seeing that representation of myself mm -hmm. in education, in institutions of academia and learning, in institutions where I was being cared for and nurtured for. I didn't have a black male teacher until I was in college. That I was a K through 12 experience of seeing women only, uh, mostly. And then when I did see men, they were other. And so not having that representation in academic institutions, it, it, when I did show up in academic institutions, it kind of made me feel like, do I really belong here? Mm -hmm. I've never seen anybody else who looks like me here and working through that. And understanding, as I said before, the different type of expectations and pressures that are put on Black males to show up for the disproportion disproportionately amount of Black students who are higher in detention, higher suspension, higher expulsion. We know the statistics. If you don't know the statistics, just look. It's it's disproportionate. And uh, there's almost 80% of the teaching force is white women. So statistically, they're going to put more resources and more support towards where more the numbers are. Okay. But there's a special amount need of resources towards those black males who have that experience who really can create a, a huge shift in general and how our future sees black male because currently we see black men criminals people who get shot down by the police etc cetera, etc cetera. that's a whole different podcast but to be able to help those men who are changing that narrative just by showing up fully in their presence that is honor and as I talked about my transformation through the practice of yoga, I need them to have that tool as well. Because when you step into that classroom, you are impacting our future and you're gonna need some help. You're gonna need to breathe. You're going to need to relax. You're gonna need to deal with stress and tension and pressure of administration and parents who might have some issues with you, students who have come in and already been programmed to see you in a certain way. It's a lot to deal with. So I really wanted to make sure that for those black boys who did not 
get a chance to continuously develop a tool to experience joy for them to have it as black male teachers mm-hmm. uh, them to have it there as well so that was very important for me uh to make sure that that work is out and we're still putting that work out to make sure black males have that experience so yeah yes yeah i mean being a teacher is intense and if you don't have that own your own centering practice whether it's yoga or something else i agree with you i mean it's it's just a lot to deal with so to have these tools that are always with you that that you can breathe, right? Even that that simple lesson. I'm sure you've seen many times in your teaching, you just helping someone realize how you breathe changes how you feel is a just a game changer. Um, do you have a like a favorite story about it could be a child or an adult you've worked with that you um, taught yoga to and that you you really saw that kind of aha moment or like that transformation in them? I can't do meditation. I can only do Jesus. Like this was the first thing I heard from a little boy in about third grade in a class full of 12 little brown and black boys who were labeled as the Get Fresh Crew. So the Get Fresh Crew, all the boys, uh, you know, this is Get Fresh Crew, uh, early 80s, 90s, whatever hip hop group. But these were the Get Fresh Crew just because they came in with that swagger. They came with that energy. They caused a lot of disruptions in class and elementary school. So the principal pulled these boys out and put them into this special class together. I step into this class and this little boy tells me straight up, he has to look up at me. He looks up at me, but he makes me feel small. I, my mama said, I don't do yoga. I do Jesus. Okay. All right. Let's starting out here. And I remember telling him, all right, we don't have to call it meditation. We don't have to call it yoga. We don't have to do anything like that. What can you do? Can you breathe? Uh, yeah, I think I can breathe. Yeah, I bet you can. Can you sit there? Can you relax for a second? Yeah, I can, I can, I can. And really just meeting them, him, especially where he was at. And I knew he was the one that was going to set the pace. He was the one that all the other kids was going to see, okay, if he get away with getting out of it and playing around with Mr. James, they call me that yoga dude, then... <laughs> We all are going to do it. So I was able to let him know, uh, yeah, you can, you know, you can, you can do that as well. But this is, this is a part of what we're going to do as well. And to see him come back to class again and again and look forward to doing the yoga, look forward to the 15 second chill out challenge is what we do every um, start of the class and see him just transform and to see those boys running up to the class to be able to experience and hearing from the teachers of hey, them, them getting a break and them getting some tools to be able to use with the boys when they do get a little bit wrong bunches. You know, boys will be boys, but these boys just needed some extra tools to fit into the school environment. So to see that Get Fresh crew, crew transform and then do a presentation, do a uh, assembly for the school where they show the whole school some yoga practices we went through some sun salutations and we went through some breathing exercises they became leaders after they resisted and after they fought everything so that's that experience of seeing these young boys embrace and utilize the skills to become just assets and um create to be leaders within their own school was 
one of the most joyful things for me. It gave me black boy joy all day long. So. Yeah. <laughs> that is the best. I, from years of teaching and talking to people, it's almost always the, the child that challenges you the most at the beginning is the one that like, you know, by the end, I'm like, this child has taught me a lot. That's the that's the child you remember. And to be able to take that, he was like, he was testing you from the beginning. It's like, I'm not going to do this. And you, the way you respond, it's like, okay, can you do that? So what can we do? And you, you met those boys where they were. That's, that's such a beautiful story. That's so powerful. And now you've planted those seeds in them where they can, you know, then take this with them right. as they grow. It definitely, it's, it's rewarding. You know, that's, that's what I am here for in my space, working with youth, of course, just planting seeds. These are trees I may never see the fruit of, but it is so important for me to plant the seeds as the seeds were planted in me from uh, my elders and the people who entrusted me to move the ball forward. So I'm just doing my part to to grow tall enough for my shoulders to be the footstools of the ones who come after me. So I'm excited to be here. Well, I love that image. Um, I want to hear about your children's book too. So I saw you you published a kids book. So where did the the idea come from? How did you go about doing that? Timmy Tut in the Pyramid of Interest. So I I went back to school and I, I so like I said I was doing the mentoring program with uh, the co-author and the illustrator Deville Jackson. We were doing mentor programs for years and he decided to go to school in New York and I decided to go to school um, a different place in LA out here on the West Coast. And we were like, man, we can't continue to do the program because we are leaving. We're just, life is taking us in different directions. But my spirit told me that I needed to leave something for these kids. I can't just abandon them, especially a lot of these kids were foster kids, group home kids. So they had, they've been abandoned and I was the next person in line to abandon them. And this is, uh, this is, I can't say pre-internet, pre-social media days, but this was probably before like everybody was on social media. Uh, I felt like, or maybe I just wasn't into social media, but I wanted to leave something for them. Thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. And I remember I was in Long Beach at the time, sitting at my table and I was actually close to the beach at that time. And I just got quiet and sat at my table and a little bit of sadness washed over me as I began to think about all those boys I was going to leave behind. And then a little bit of light came in as I thought about all the tools that I can leave behind for them. And I started thinking about a character that had a lot of the traits of the boys and then also a lot of the traits of me. And it came out to be this little boy named Timmy. And Timmy was going through some tough issues. His parents were going through some tough stuff. His community was going through some tough stuff at school. He was going through some tough stuff. And through him going through the tough stuff, it ended up showing up in his behaviors. He was acting out in school, at home, in different areas. And I really wanted to highlight that where a lot of these boys were just labeled as bad and delinquent. They're just going through some tough stuff. And this is how they're showing it. This is, this is the behaviors that comes out. So we implement these wellness tools, these yoga tools into how we can help Timmy navigate these difficult times that are happening at his school, at his family. And my friend, Deville Jackson, 
we just it was just one of those things that was synchronous synchronous where he can draw he's a great illustrator and we're able to write the book and we both knew the boy timmy tuck we both knew him because we worked with him this is the work that we do so it was just easy for us to come up with a story and then we actually did two books we're working on a third one um, where we include these mindfulness, meditation, affirmations, breath work into the story where this young man actually goes back in time to ancient Egypt and discovers his royalty. So we really wanted to implement a lot of history, a lot of positivity and actual tools that they can use to implement into their life struggles right here, right now. Um, and we made it as fun and colorful as possible. Um, almost like a, um, what that's called? Action graphic, not graphic novel yeah. for kids. And um, parents are going to get it too. Parents are going to have a greater bridge to connect with what their children are going through. And maybe even what they may have gone through as a child. Um, things change, but not, but they really don't. Mm -hmm. Let's go through what kids go through. So yeah, that's Timmy Tut. You can check it out at timmytut.com. PrinceTimmyTut.com. We have two mm -hmm. of the third one is coming. So that's yeah. exciting. Got a third one too. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, you, what you said about um, the behavior, you've said you said it earlier too, like the behavior is coming out a certain way, and it's because this is this is a symptom. This is not like, right. as you say, you're then labeled bad because you're behaving these ways. But these children are just trying to communicate something. Um, and I've been thinking of that a lot lately. And it's I almost think that if more people understood behavior is a symptom of something happening inside of a person, I think the world would change so much because we, we've I know I grew up. It's like stop doing that. Don't do that. It's like, why, why are, why are they doing this? So right. I, I, I love that you created this book and now it's becoming a series. Now you get, you get a third one coming out where you can, you can understand that. It sounds like you can understand it better. I think I'm going to order my, my kids, the book it sounds thank really good. You. Thank you. Thank you. And I love how you stated that where, yes, the more we ask why, the less we condemn and the more empathy we have over so, um, over creating, criticizing and judging and understanding that it's a symptom and implementing that tools. And I think yoga is definitely a tool to create that empathy within ourselves so we can create that empathy for other people. You know, we know it. The more we get to know ourselves, the more we get to know others and be there and show up for others. So, hey, let's let's get these kids in yoga and let's get them breathing. Yes, and yes. Absolutely. Well, talking about connecting with yourself, I've been asking everyone since the pandemic began, which is now over a year ago, um, how have you been taking care of yourself during this time? So global pandemic, racial reckoning in the world, right? Where, I mean, the amount of stress this past year has been just unreal. How are you taking care of you? Because you're helping other people. But as you said, it starts with yourself. So what have you done for yourself? Discipline has helped me a lot. I have a morning routine that I'm pretty attached to. Um, I was just talking about that earlier. Uh, if I get through the activities in my morning routine, it helps me better to deal with the world. And that just makes me feel like I have what's necessary to dealing with people and dealing with whatever's going on in the world. That has been huge. So 
and creating new ways to stick with those disciplines uh, before it included the gym and included going to certain places and doing certain things. And then that cut off. And now I was like, okay, James, you have to be creative. And me being creative also helps me to just deal with all the stress as well. Um, okay, I can't go to the gym. How can I do pull-ups? How can I use a bench? How can I um, see the people that I really like seeing at the gym or my favorite coffee shops closed down? How can I still create that? So being creative and sticking to my disciplines has been very powerful. Connecting socially with folks. Um, I'm in California, so it's beautiful out here and we get to go outside. I don't know what I would do if I was on the East Coast in the snow. It's brutal. It's brutal. <laughs> Uh, it's getting better now, but it's been hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So nature, creativity, discipline, and amazing people in my life has really helped me to navigate this space of pandemia. To mm. Whatever. You pandemia, want yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's the word for it. Yeah, so yeah, thank you for asking that. Um, I'm just being nosy and asking, how old are your kids? My daughter is five and my son's turning two tomorrow. Oh, happy birthday. Yeah, I can't believe it. Has that, has that made it easier with the quarantine because you have like so much stuff going on with them or it's like harder? To see I, think it's, I think it's both because um, the amount of, of work taking care of them is just like unreal. And the hmm. days have just gotten longer because we're not able to do as much. So they're not tired. So they're going to bed later and they're still waking up early. So my days are, have been long at the same time, their joy, seeing their joy mm -hmm. has fueled me. So, um, especially my younger son, because he has no idea what's going on. He's too young. Mm -hmm. So he's completely removed from it and he's just happy. So mm -hmm. I think a lot of days I'm like, I, I just look at him and I'm, and, or just, just, watch him play, he gives me a hug and I'm like, it, it completely fills me up. So yeah, I think it's both. That's cool. Jess boy joy. Jess boy joy. <laughs> cool. He gives that to me. He like, he'll let it, my son will hug me and I'm like, mm -hmm. it feels like all my stress melted away, like instantly. That's so cool. Uh, one more question. Let's get some nosy. In having, and being a yoga teacher and having yoga practice for yourself, when your kids come in, does your personal practice just totally go out the window? Um, it's changed. I don't have a, it's not structured at all. Um, it's like, like today, for example, they were both occupied. And then I went in the other room and started just flowing because I was listening to good music. I was like, oh, I just need to move. So that was like five minutes. Okay. So it's here and there. It's like when I find the moment and then they both like yoga. So okay. they'll be like, let's do yoga. But of course, then I'm like playing that teacher role. So it's more of, okay. you know, it's more work, quote unquote, for me, because that's my job. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've let go of the expectation of trying to have a structured practice because it's just not feasible right now with no, my daughter's not in school and we're just home all the time. But I think they... Yeah, I find the moments. I've I've just found sprinkling it in throughout the day. It's it's just as powerful. It, you know, if that's all I have available, that's that's what I'm gonna do. That's dope. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Okay. It's nice getting questions. I'm not used to it. <laughs> it's nice to great listeners, so I definitely 
Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'd like to ask you questions as well. Yeah. Well, I would love to hear um, your kids' yoga gem. So I always end the episodes with just a little, little gem of wisdom for someone. If you can picture someone who's maybe just starting out in kids' yoga, like what is your golden rule that you would offer? Have fun. Make it fun. Um, I know some some schools I came into or institutions I came into where everything was so structured or they I've, I may have felt or they may have informed me that they wanted to it to be like a regular class where it's structured. Kids sit there and listen and do this. And I get to miss out on what you just said, a kid expressing joy and love if they are just so confined to you have to do this and you have to do that and blah, blah, blah. So let them be kids, have fun. And I have a lot of fun with them. Um, I love the babies and working with the kids because they're just fun, like just watching them do it. I learned so much with them. I like the older kids a lot too because I talk so much trash to the older kids. I just talk crap all day long <laughs> and uh, connect with them and have fun with them and treat them like adults, treat them like people, treat them like people. Um, and so the more I have fun with it and the more I let them express and find their own practice, the more they have fun and it's just a mutual exchange of energy. And that's what keeps me going. You know, sometimes I'm teaching a whole school, just like 50 classes in one day or something crazy like that. And so I need those smiles. I need those laughs. I need those awkward moments from them to continue doing what I'm doing to the highest level I can and keeping the vision in my mind of just being a step stool for the shoulders that is going to see beyond me. So make it fun. Yes. Like it's not so serious. Like, serious. you know, yeah. Meet, meet them there. I, I love that so much. And yeah. that you have fun with them, right? It's like you, you, that's the, the power of being a kid's yoga teacher is that you don't have to have that, structure and seriousness and goals and right. we've got to study for this for this test it's like we could just be present with them and the work you're doing i just want to tell you it's so powerful the work you're doing it's so powerful and it's much needed and i'm i'm just glad that you've um you took that scary leap and that you know you decided to go this direction thank you so much I have some more leaping and some more fear to get through, but I, I will yeah. be present and appreciate that. So thank you. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. And can I get a gem from you, please? You are an OG teacher in children and got a lot of information from people. I think my gem is practice yoga yourself. Yes. Start with yourself. 100%. Because once you find, you learn more and more about you, just like you said, you find that empathy because you're like, you understand that at a deep level. Start with yourself and then it radiates from you. That's it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, I, I want people to be able to find you. So can you share websites, social media, all that stuff where people can find you or get in touch? Sure. It is www.datyogadude.com. That's D as in dog, A as in apple, T as in Tom yoga.com um also we have our feel free to feel free site you can get more information on the school stuff that we do f-e-e-l-f-r-e-e -E -E, the number two f-e-e-l-f-r-e-e -E -E, dot net 
um, that yoga do on Instagram, Facebook, all other stuff. You can go to www.princetimmytut.com to get the Timmy Tut book. You can call me, 951-264-5467. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but just give me a call. <laughs> I love okay. that. Ha haven't had someone give a phone number yet. Why not? Good. Why not? <laughs> yeah. And I, I had meant to ask you more about your company, Feel Free to Feel Free, but I want everyone to check it out. So that is the company that you do all of your work with youth through? Correct. Yeah, that is the nonprofit side of it. Okay. Um, and then that yoga dude is the for-profit side of it. So just all the pins. Cool. Cool. Thank you so much. It was so great to connect with you. I hope we can um, keep chatting and I, I'd love to just think of more ways that we can get just more exposure to, to kids yoga, you know, yes. in, in every community. And every community and for every child. So thank you so much for the work that you are doing, bringing light to the much needed area of yoga for the youth, kids yoga. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. We'll talk soon. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed the episode and you haven't already, I would really appreciate if you can leave a rating and review and also subscribe to the podcast. This helps people find the podcast and direct more people towards it so we can spread kids yoga to more children. You can also follow us at the Kids Yoga Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And you can always send me an email at thekidsyogapodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your feedback, your questions, and any ideas you have for future episodes. So thank you so much for being here and for listening, and I hope to see you next week. <laughs>